0: It's almost every day we're speaking on a different webinar about volunteer engagement because um, uh, what we don't want to see is organizations just shutting up shop going we don't need volunteers this year so I guess we'll just turn turn the system off or, or you know just download our data and not do anything with it because then in nine months time when you need them again where were you the last nine months trying to help out and engage with them you're listening to sports tech feed the global sports technology podcast
1: hello and welcome to sports tech feed i'm your host thomas alone great to have you joining us again this week and we are joined by shannon gove director and co-founder of rostify shannon's an expert on large-scale paid and volunteer workforce operations since starting rostify in 2010 shannon has proven track record working with the world's largest sporting events and they certainly don't get any bigger than this in the world of sports shannon and the team at rostify have worked in the last four super bowls numerous world cups and mass participation events across five continents, including the London Marathon, Spartan Race, and Ironman Triathlons. Sharon's focus is on using technology to enhance the way sports, events, charities, and venues engage, communicate, and train their on-demand volunteer and paid workforce. The role volunteers play to make these large events happen is crucial to the sports industry. No volunteers largely means no events, so it's incredibly important that sports looks to return from the shutdown they consider how they can engage their volunteers to return with them. Before he was Shannon, a friendly reminder to check out sportstechfeed.com for show notes and more episodes. We had a great chat last week with David Michael, former CTO of the XFL, on some of the technology innovations they introduced to the Startup Football League. Next week, we're joined by Dr. Leila Mintas, sports betting technology expert, to share her perspectives on the impact of coronavirus on the sports betting landscape and how the current pause in sports is actually an opportunity for the industry to innovate and modernize how it collects, analyzes, and distributes data. Following that, we've also got guests from Microsoft, the NFL, and a few eSports guests in there as well. That's the next few weeks, but right now, over to Shannon Gove from Rostify. Shannon Gove, well, welcome to Sports Tech Feed. Great to have you on the show. Thank you, mate. Uh, appreciate you having me on. That's good. Well, we'll dive straight into it. Uh, can you tell me a little bit about what the problem that Rostify solves and, and some of the clients you're working with?
0: Yeah, Rostify is a, a white label workforce management platform. So we work with customers all around the world to help them streamline the way they manage their volunteers and their paid staff. I think it's, uh, it's always been a challenge for, I guess, if this podcast focuses on sports and tech and events and things is managing large amounts of workforce, typically in spreadsheets, we help them get out of that and automate the way that they engage their workforce and make sure the workforce are also retained and coming back for the next time they need them. So that's what Rostify does. And we work with customers around the world in lots of different verticals from major events, universities, not-for-profits, event management companies, sports, sporting federations. Uh, and I guess, some of those highlights have been, we've done, I think it's the last four Super Bowls now in the US have used Rostify as their end-to-end volunteer management platform. Uh, we work with the Miami Dolphins, Atlanta Hawks uh, to help with their community engagement, how they engage their volunteers. Uh, and then the UK, London Marathon, use our platform. Dubai, it's the World Expo. And in Australia, maybe Ironman Group uh, use Rostify to help manage all their volunteers. So that, that's who we are and a bit of who we work with.
1: Yeah, and so for people that don't know, a massive event like the Super Bowl that, that you have, um, it's powered by volunteers. Like uh, Obviously, there's, there's a yeah. lot of people that are, that are paid to be there, um, but just yep. putting on something that is uh, referred to, um, to an interview with Tim from the NFL saying it, it's, it's like a military operation. It's probably the closest that you can get to it um, in terms of scale and kind of logistics and everything else so how does it usually run how does it how does something like that like how many volunteers are we talking kind of what are the different roles and and yes. also how were they how did they used to be managed before rostify
0: yeah so our first super bowl we did was the houston super bowl um which is roughly four years ago now uh, and i think previous to rostify it was pretty spreadsheet heavy um they kind of use three or four different half CRM email marketing system, SMS system, uh, and that's traditionally the way, not just Super Bowl, but a lot of organisations manage their workforce is, is a combination of probably six different systems. Um, and the other important point to note is the, the heavier headcount that was involved in managing all of those and trying to keep them all together. Uh, and a lot of the workload in that was in spreadsheets, manipulating data. Um, and so what we helped with, with for the first Super Bowl and have ever since is they need to recruit around 30,000 volunteers uh, across the year, ultimately to get down to about 10,000 uh, for, for event time. and So what, what event are they time- doing? What are they kind of, what are those 30,000
1: down to, and is that 30,000 down to 10,000 because people say they're going to
0: do it and then don't show up or is that? No, not at all. I think we had, yeah, no, no, it's, um, last year we had a 98% turn up rate for, for all shifts for 10,000. Well, well, ultimately it's 35,000 shifts because, uh, they're all required across 10 days. So I think that's the important thing. Everyone thinks about it being one day. But um, to your point about what do they do, it's it's often a city-based volunteering program. Um, so I was on the ground in Houston for that Super Bowl and it, it blew me away. And, I mean, you're in that part of the world at the moment, but H-Town represent, everyone loved representing their city and um, showing how... Proud they were to welcome guests from all around the world to their city and show everything off. And yep. so the roles are more focused on city base, um, the downtown area, the activation area, sponsorship zone. Like that's what a lot of the roles are. Um, the game day, to your point about military uh, level operation, it's it's pretty uh, ring fenced, if you will. Uh, there are some lucky volunteers that get to um, be involved there, but most are involved um, from the airports, hotels, downtown. Yeah, that's that's most of the roles.
1: So it's it's kind of greeting people at the airport. It's managing directions. It's it's all that kind of stuff. Fan activation, absolutely helping people, handing out goodie bags,
0: whatever else. Yeah, I mean volunteers for any event are the heartbeat of actually everything. And yeah. I think that's they're often um, just presumed to be there, and people sort of don't really appreciate uh, probably enough what volunteers can bring to an event. And that's what it is: people walking away with a smile, going gee, Houston as a city is a great place to be because of the people. Mm. I think any holiday you go on, you often refer to the people when nice I there, and that's what the volunteer programs, uh, if nothing else, that, that's what they bring to it is about the, the the community aspect and making sure people feel welcome and know where to go because they're in a new place and it's uh, lots of people go, uh, everywhere. Mm. Yeah, definitely. I think um,
1: kind of my experience with Iron Man um, it's it's w- when you're on the course, the person that's handing you a, a drink or food yep. or whatever else, which when you're 30 kilometers into your marathon, <laughs> <laughs> after you've just done the yours know, 180 bike and 4k yeah. swim, you're, pretty happy, you're, <laughs> yeah, you're yeah. pretty happy to see them. Yeah, you're pretty happy to see them. And that yeah. that in terms of a business model, and there's all sorts of stuff around um, kind of the sale of Ironman and all that kind of stuff that we won't necessarily go into about mass participation yeah. events. But yeah, they
0: cannot run without without volunteers. No, not it's at all. Just, I think it's that's impossible. Yeah, yeah, and it's going to be interesting to see the impact moving forward through COVID um, and how how it happens. But um, yeah, black and white, it wouldn't happen, and uh, also for charities. Charities wouldn't exist without the volunteers that support them. Um, So I think it's now more than ever, volunteers will be important, and especially in the recovery efforts as well, Um, when potentially as well, companies won't have the internal headcount to operate the way they used to, in particular, charities, mass participation things. So, um, yeah, really valuable part of of what we do. And so, I mean, talking about the
1: the coronavirus, COVID-19 shutdown, um, obviously a huge impact on sports um but all mass participation anything um more than 10 people in a room and it almost counts as mass participation these days so how does yeah how does that how has that impacted you as a company kind of how have you been making the most of this downtime when you're not actually um running events
0: or yeah i think
1: helping facilitate the running of events
0: yeah definitely if it's two parts there and i think it's the usage of our platform, we were looking at some numbers and some data the other day. and uh, I think at times we have oh, probably about 600,000 volunteers on our database around around the world. and Those numbers were down to below 10% um, in the last two months in terms of engagement. Uh, in Victoria here in, in Australia where I am, the volunteering Victoria put out that 40% of all volunteering activities just ceased to exist basically. So. The, the numbers have reduced drastically for now, but to what we we're talking about earlier, it will come back because of how crucial it is, and it will probably need to come back stronger given the reliance organisations will have on them. So for us, we're taking that just like any other businesses, and you've got to find the positives in this, and, and that is that we've had time to really focus on our product and spend more time with our customers, because ultimately our customers Like a Spartan race in the US, they've got more time um, to to have discussions and planning. So uh, for us at Rostify, what we've spent this time doing is we've brought forward a lot of our product development and we've... We're just in the process this week actually of releasing Rostify Rapid Core and Enterprise. So uh, I guess traditionally we had a, a large enterprise solution um, for a Super Bowl for these large ones. But um, what we've now launched is with Rostify Rapid is a, probably a more cost-effective, smaller solution that just solves the basics in volunteer management, getting people out of spreadsheets. Uh, and Rostify Core being a more established volunteer management and workforce paid workforce management platform. So uh, this time has given us that focus on product and and uh, really linking back to our customers to understand the problems we solve. Yeah, definitely. And, and is there
1: discussion on, um, is it mainly focusing on your existing customers and how you can kind of help them get back on their feet or is that actually going to maybe some new customers that don't, um, don't have the need the efficiencies more as you said that 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 with managing this amount of people there can be a lot of inefficiency if it's all on spreadsheets and you have you know you've got to hire an extra 10 people to manage all these people if you can reduce headcount there and inefficiencies there is it is it going after those or is it a a balancing act between the both
0: yeah it was our first priority when all this happened was to, to contact all existing customers. So we've, we've done that all around the world and we've had conversations with all customers about how they, how they're going and what their plans are, um, to get through. And it was more of a support process to make sure I, I think the one thing I've learned across our journey, it's about how you make people feel, um, when times are tough, not just when they're good. And so we made sure that we touch base with our customers first. And then I guess from a product perspective, definitely looking at the market that if there is, I mean, it's a, as I mentioned before, we work with a lot of different verticals. And so we, we're we now building up a, a big plan for who, where the biggest problems are that we can solve around the world. And and a lot of that will be in the US and in the UK and Europe. So um, yeah, just building up our opportunities when we're coming back, because we're extremely confident that we're going to be a vital part of this recovery effort for a lot of organizations. So we just want to make sure they know about us and what we do. Yeah, definitely.
1: And, and where do you see that kind of um, recovery happening. I mean, this is a technology tool that's going to help with that. But what, to your mind, is going to help with getting it back on its feet? Sports returning to
0: as far as possible normal. Yeah, I think it's uh, if if we're talking about timeline, I, I would say um, in August September time. I, I guess what the way we I had a discussion about this last night with some colleagues in the UK. And, What they were talking about was sort of a June, July come back to some form of, all right, where are we at as a business? Probably need to make some more cuts at that time um, when they realize the financial situation and probably slowing government support for then a July, August, September sort of recovery sort of September time, probably looking at, okay, well, here's the situation we're in and then starting to switch mindset to operational okay here's where we're at what are we going to do about it and then that's when I guess for us probably having those discussions around those timelines so that's from a a timing perspective Um, but what was the second part of your question about sports returning sorry mate oh just just like where do you see the role of technology in that return yeah I think it's uh, it's going to be crucial. The prime example in Australia with the, the two major codes, the NRL and the AFL, looking at returning discussion already last week was about uh, using technology to capture and interview all, all people involved with these camps that they're going to need to probably go to um, in terms of recording records and medical details and uh, these sorts of things. Without technology, that's again, that's a certain bowl five years ago with spreadsheets and five Mm. different systems trying to do the same thing so um, the more centralized they can make these systems they can integrate with one another the better Um, just to reduce the manual work involved because we saw with afl they don't have the money to employ massive teams to make this happen Um, they've got to get by in a streamlined way and that's where technology plays its part and and i'm coming front at it to your question from an operational perspective uh, the actual playing side and getting athletes back is is a whole nother world, which mm. the technology again will be crucial. But I probably wouldn't speak to that too much.
1: Yeah, I will. Right. Well, kind of the example that you're you're speaking about and um, why you, why you've got you on the on the show and be able to share your expertise is 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 that yeah. side of that kind of data management, people management side yeah. because it's it's a lot less sexy than a lot of the stuff that's been talked about in terms of. Let's put like temperature scanning on on stadiums and things like that, which is yeah. really cool. And you know that that could be a tool going forwards. Yeah. Um, but let's just track. All right, who is where? Who's interacting with who? Yeah. Kind of. Yeah. Things like that around just just movements. Things like as you said, medical records. If there's something that needs to be flagged, to be able to manage that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Understanding because it's it's such a it's such a game of chess with moving the people to the right places big time Um, and also to your point that sports uh don't really have money to burn at this
0: point no that's right and so hopefully technology is there to um free up some of the enable some cost saving there so um yeah we'll have discussions with those sports about that and see how we can help i think it's i mean by no means is our system a medical tracking platform um but I, i think an example is we'll we, we work with the city of London uh, for their volunteer engagement and, and they had the euros coming up um, and through our platform they were using it for all for interviewing all the thousands of volunteers ready to go and recording that data segmenting that data into groups and so ultimately it's the same thing it's just um, adjusting for different sports and things so um, yeah it's uh it's an interesting space mate I can't say we have got all the answers but we're happy to um, see how we can help
1: yeah definitely I mean it's it's one of those things that it's it's people at the backbone of um of everything that happens in sports, so it's important there. Is there yeah, is it something that you think we will get back to sports with like mass crowds? Like if you think of some something like say London Marathon, um, this mass mm. participation event um, with spectators lining the streets and then everyone kind of there. Is it is is that just we won't see that again in the foreseeable future?
0: uh again my colleagues in the uk who worked very closely in that space um with those likes of those events really almost looking at 2020 as a pass yeah um a, a good friend of mine is uh chris rob um, he runs mass participation world one of the probably the best conference in mass participation in the world and that's in singapore every year he's i joined him on a webinar a few weeks ago and i think the conversation was Close to the point of going 2020. We don't think that we'll be running the events that we're used to running. Sure, trail runs and things and, and large walks because you can manage the spacing more effectively. Um, they're, they're a chance to come back from sort of October onwards. But it's really, I think we've seen a lot of um, knee jerk reactions a lot in the last few weeks. Uh, like in New Zealand, as an example, they announced. Uh, restrictions easing up, event organisers thought that they could have up to sort of 500 people coming. Uh, And then that night, the government changed their mind to reduce it back down to a minimal number. And so they're like, well, okay, we've opened our event, now we've closed our event. So I think people are obviously eager to get back, but um, almost just a, a process of giving it time for the dust to settle and really understanding where you land because there's a million and one different opinions at the moment and I think all you can do is... Plan for the solid hard information that you have, but um, I, I think I would expect it late this year, but definitely a 2021 focus for the mass participation industry. Yeah, definitely. And do you think it's going to be one of those things
1: that volunteering as a as a I would say way of life? Because I think a lot of people that do volunteer do it do it a lot, do it across Correct. different parts. You're right, so that's absolutely. Part of who they um, who they are. Um, yep. Do you think that will take a hit? Where people, as you said, you know, it's been down to like 40% of
0: volunteer things in Victoria just ceased. Is it something that's yeah. going to bounce back? It's an interesting question. Um, last week I read the International Triathlon Union release sort of a, a return from COVID document Um in regards to how they're going to, you know, make sure that their drink stations are are safe. Um, As part of that was workforce. And one of the the lines in there was to reduce volunteer numbers basically to a minimum. Um, My question with that, though, is going, to be honest, most mass participation events operate on a minimum anyway. Mm. Um, There aren't too many mass p events that are overflowing with volunteer numbers that they have to push them back um so the minimum is probably what they're almost used to in a way sure some have the luxury of getting thousands more applicants than they need but road closures and things you have to have these volunteers that are there um maybe more important than for example like a, a Uh, Mass participation volunteer roles are more crucial from a like policing and actually operating the event perspective than maybe the mega and major events which the volunteers are more welcoming and making sure people feel good in the city. Of course, they're still crucial, but in terms of actually making the event go ahead, those minimums are are still going to be needed. And I, I still feel that if you're allowing athletes to come back who are sweaty and running next to each other anyway, then I think your volunteer numbers can get back to where they were. Um, I really do believe that they'll be returning back as if it was the same, uh, if it's hopefully next year.
1: Yeah, so it's interesting. So you think it it could be from the organiser point of view and the federation saying, hey, we actually need to pair people back rather than volunteers coming back and saying, oh, I actually don't want to do that anymore.
0: Yeah, totally. I, I really don't think uh, of course there's going to be people that are less inclined to be going out and mingling with others it makes total sense but I would and from the, my point about the federation side would be going that it, they need to be coming out making statements to say we're doing everything possible to be safe but um, at the end of the day a lot of these events need their volunteers need at least minimum numbers to go ahead and so that will still be a crucial part of these events but I think that volunteering and sort of connectedness to communities never been more alive than what it is now uh and that that will drive volunteering to return once they are able to come back safely so mm. i think I, i'm really going to see a strong return to volunteering if and when because the volunteers are there to support an organization they feel passionate about and want to help and so never before have these organizations probably needed help when they're coming out of this and so when those organizations say, guys, can you help us and volunteer, I would expect a lot of people will be returning, but um, all of this is to be seen. Yeah, is that something that
1: through Rossify you can communicate with people during the kind of downturn, keep the, the f- yeah. if not the fire it's, um, lit, then the, f- the pilot light lit?
0: Yeah, it's a, it's a very, very good point, mate. It's um, And we sp- it's almost every day we're speaking on a different webinar about volunteer engagement, because, um, uh, what we don't want to see is organizations just shutting up shop going we don't have volunteers this year so i guess we'll just turn turn the system off or, or you know just download our data and not do anything with it because then in nine months time when you need them again where were you the last nine months trying to help out and engage with them um a lot of our really great charities that we work with are a good example being starlight foundation who helps sick kids um they have thousands of volunteers around Australia. What they're doing at the moment is actually um, Zoom interviewing every single volunteer and wow. understanding why, why are you with us? What are you motivated about? Um, and starting to use their data more uh, intelligently. So starting to segment into what their skill sets are, what their motivations are, so that they can be more actively used if and when they can return. Another example is Cancer Council. Oh, sorry, sorry, not Cancer Council, Mother's Day Classic um, in Australia. They obviously had a reduced head count. They needed more volunteers um, to help, but they were helping it, in a different way. i just jump in and say
1: for our international um, guest Mother's Day Classic is a, a, a run, walk, and a um, yep. slower walk. I don't know what you call it, but it, it's, yeah, it's, yeah. Um, it's on Mother's Day. It's in support of, um, I think, breast
0: cancer and some other charities, but it's yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's a great event. Massive uh massive physical event in terms of in person volunteering numbers, I think three and a half thousand or so around the country. And so instead of those volunteers being used to stand at a drink station, these volunteers are now almost being brought internally to help with maybe with a graphic design element or a HR component because their volunteers actually have these skill sets. I think that's once you start uh investing back into your volunteer database and understanding the value you have there, it's it's you've got to give a little to get a little in that sense that um you you need to understand who they are their motivations because they're there for a reason they want to help and so maybe that way of helping won't may not be the traditional element of standing at a drink station or welcoming someone at an airport maybe it's it's more of an online maybe it's making telephone calls or helping with fundraising behind the scenes um so volunteering may change in terms of the way they're used behind the scenes compared to front facing so much but um, the the requirement and reliance on volunteers i do not see changing or reducing i see it increasing yeah definitely so that's, that's i mean it's a good point it's it's what business the
1: advice that we're giving to businesses in this downturn is be productive um as far as you can mm. you know if that is finding out more about your customers if that's working on internal projects um, working on product and if these uh, federations leagues teams cities whoever have all this data about yep. people that are there um, then they certainly want to get involved yeah um, absolutely cool alright well we might wrap it up at that point I, I'd say um, the kind of term volunteer engagement I keep hearing so much about fan engagement like knowing your fans yeah. and all that kind of stuff but yeah. that's really something that struck me there is um, is volunteer engagement so um, that's something that I would I would love to see um, kind of taking the lead in this in this downturn. So it means that when sports does come back, when
0: it's safe to do so, um, it can get back on its feet a lot quicker. Yeah, big time, mate. I think that's uh, and it's a big thing for Osterfo's volunteer engagement, not just volunteer management. A big difference in the mindset and the approach that you take is that give a little to get a little in terms of understanding who these amazing people are supporting you that, um, let's face it, a lot of organizations wouldn't exist without them. So, um, yeah, make sure you, and the other point I made was around, but if people remember how you made them feel, make sure your volunteers feel that as well. Um, don't just lean on them when you need them back in, in six months time, um, make sure that they're part of your journey as well through this period, because they're there to help.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, all right, we will, sorry, just to because my thing's only got less than a minute for this, zzz, this thing. <laughs> that's right. but I've got one, and we and I can edit this bit out, but anyway, like, I've got yeah, one final okay. question, and if you just want to yep. answer that, and if it dies, we'll jump back on, but you, this is why it's we fine. do the audio recording as well. Yes. So, Shannon, one final question for you. What is your favorite sporting moment of all time?
0: uh it may not relate to your international list listeners mate but uh the matt Scarlett toe tap in the geelong cats grand final win to gary ablett running through the middle uh has to be my number one uh big afl aussie rules fan so uh that was massive so big big cats fan then Big, I'm down in Geelong at the moment, mate, yep. so uh, yeah, big Cats fan and, and looking forward to footy returning, that's for sure. All right, cool. Well, um, I'll include a, I'll include a link
1: to that in the show notes so for any international yep. guests they can understand what on earth you're talking yeah, about.
0: Yeah, um, <laughs> it featured on the US News. Did it? They're okay, like, there you go. What's this? Yeah, Yeah, they had um, no idea what had happened, but they, it did feature on ESPN or something. Thanks
1: so much for your time today, Shannon. Really appreciate it. Um, As I said, I'll include some links in the show notes to a few of the things you discussed. Um, We can uh, have a link to Rostify itself and then um, obviously some AFL footy for all our international guests.
0: That's right, mate. Definitely share that one up the top there. Um, Appreciate you having me on and uh, congrats on all the work you guys are doing too. Uh, Really great to see and hope you're enjoying the, the Southern American barbecue. Definitely. I, I
1: know you mentioned H Town, so my wife's from Houston, so I'm going to give a, uh-huh. a, a shout out there and <laughs> represent. Ah, uh, that'll be brownie points with the father-in-law. So, that. <laughs> good stuff, go, mate. No go,
0: worries. Go well, appreciate you having me on. Thanks so much.
1: There you have it. Thanks again to Shannon for joining the show. I really liked his point around uh, volunteer, volunteer engagement. Uh, fan engagement is obviously a buzzword and what everyone's talking about. How to engage fans. Uh, With the shutdown, but uh, also thinking about behind the scenes and how do you keep those volunteers engaged, keep them safe, keep them working um, and helping to do their bit to get sports back on its feet. As always, you can check out sportstechfeed.com for show notes. You can also go to sportstechworldseries.com, sign up for our newsletter there, keep updated on the latest podcast episodes, also news and we'll also send through a few deep dives Uh, around the area of sports technology. So you can definitely stay engaged um, and obviously uh, appear smart to your colleagues. Uh, It's what it's all about, right? Even out of the office, you've got to have that uh, water cooler smarts. Until next week, I've been your host, Thomas Alomes. Looking forward to seeing you again. (laughs)